Welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast presented by Catch Cover, your home for ice fishing news, tips, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Chris Larson. Hello and welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast. We're still rolling through interviews from the St. Paul Ice Show. Today's show is an interview with Lake Erie guide Ross Robertson. We discuss a range of topics, including Lake Erie walleye fishing, using an underwater camera to catch more fish, and just paying attention to the details. A word of warning, Ross is definitely a PG-13 speaker. It's not rated R, but there are some low-level curse words in the interview. Let's check it out. Welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast. I'm at the St. Paul Ice Fishing Show, and I'm with Ross Robertson. Ross, how are you doing today? We are A-OK. A-OK. We're talking fishing this weekend, and you're a guide uh, down in Lake Erie. You're mostly doing open water just because of where you are. You don't get a whole lot of ice, but you do have that magical time where you've got some ice on Lake Erie. Can you tell us a little bit about that, kind of when is the time to go to Lake Erie if you want to go ice fishing for walleyes? This may sound, sound, this may sound a little different, but this okay. is special that I'm telling you this because okay. I was actually just telling somebody in the booth there, I don't really talk about this because it's one of those things like when you tell somebody, hey, this is the hot lure. Oh, by the way, they don't make it anymore and you can't get it. Right. It's kind of like that with our ice fishing. So I actually take a big old enclosed trailer over to the Bass Islands and leave it when the big boats are still running. And it's a very isolated, cool deal. And I have to have a lot of moving parts. I have a lot of friends that have things that allow that to happen. Because in the wintertime, then we're going to fly over. I stay there for you know, last year, a very long time. And I can tell you how much ice we had. Where the mainland, you know, guys are around us quite literally in boats. Mm -hmm. So I love to ice fish. It's one of my favorite things to do, 100%. And it's very unique because we have a very small section where the islands lock that in. Mm -hmm. And all that wind kind of blows down there. And we can actually still safely ice fish. So. Really unique deal, and again, I don't tell a lot of people. You see some pictures and stuff, but because um, people don't want to hear when they can't do it, <laughs> right? And, it, and it's a really, it's a small deal. You know, I'm not a numbers guy. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of ice fishing groups and things that you know, the resorts where you guys are at, and a lot of the people that listen to this, you know, they take 50, 100 people, and they've got tons of stuff. It's not a this is a hands-on deal for safety and for fishing, and so it's not a big numbers deal. And so it's really kind of an exclusive deal, and a lot of my open water clients, you know, grab those dates. So I don't really actively promote it, but I can tell you that it's one of my favorite things to do, and it's just ball-busting work, and it's so much a pain in the ass with the logistics and all the things, but I love it. And if you don't, I, I don't know anybody. I've had a guy literally from Texas who told me, I've never walked on water in my 70 years of living. I'm not going to do it. And then he called me back up. The guy's been in one of my guide plans for like 20 years, open water. And he's like, 70 degrees is cold to me. And we got him out there during one of just absolute cold blitz. And at the end of it, he came up to me and he's like, I'll be doing this every year with you. Yeah. And, you know, that's like, uh, it's a big thing to me of like, you know, somebody that they never have done it and they enjoyed it. They understand that it's like a hunting trip. You know, it's right. just the adventure of just getting there in and out and all the things that you have to do. It's not just like going and dropping a line. So mm -hmm. it's much different than if you're in a wheelhouse on Lake of the Woods. Right. In Minnesota, you know, it's something that's part of the culture. It's something that people do. But down where you are, like you say, you're dealing with clients from further south than you. This is like, it's something special. It's something very different than what they've ever experienced. If we were to stand outside of a gas station in Baudette or even in Minnesota, here in Minneapolis and say hey do you how many times have you ice fish or do you ice fish mm -hmm. I bet you nine out of ten people are gonna say heck yeah 
You do that in our gas stations, nine or 10 are gonna say, what? <laughs> right. They're gonna know what it is. Like, right. what, are you kidding me? Like, people do that? I've heard about it, but mm -hmm. it's it's a totally different culture. And even our crazy, you know, I, again, I don't understand it fully, but it is what it is. It's just different a genre a little bit, but our open water boats, you know, I'm still fishing. And 99%, I mean, the lake is empty. I just filmed the show just before we left and we get there and the cameras are all out and you know how cameras, they kill a bite and everything. And the guy said, there's no one in the parking lot. Like they were scared because they expect, you know, a week earlier, there's literally thousands of people out there. We never saw another boat, crushed it, killed it. And they're just like, where's everybody at? I'm like, they're duck hunting, they're deer hunting, or it's too cold for them. They put their boats away. So, you know, we have a lot of dock boats and um, like you know, a lot of you guys maybe in some of the inland lakes and stuff do where it's pleasure fishermen or pleasure boaters where for us a lot of our guys have dock boats and they have to be out by now and i love that right that's like the greatest thing ever so yeah yeah that's the funny thing you check out ross on social media like it's december and you're out there in your open water boat doing your thing just like you would be in in september yeah, and, and it's, you know, at times it's challenging. I tell people all the time that they're questioning going ice fishing with me. And I go, when you're in the boat with me in December, it's way more brutal than ice fishing. Because in ice fishing, we've got the Argo, we've got the nice suits, you know, we've got heaters, we've got, you know, enclosures, whether it's a flip over or a pop-up tent or whatever it is, we're out of the elements for the most part. You know, we don't probably bucket jump or, or do like a lot of the guys do, generally speaking, but it's way warmer ice fishing overall to me mm -hmm. than it is if when you're in the boat in December. That, some of those days are pretty brutal. Yeah, you're out there in the open. So when you get these people coming from Texas or Kentucky or wherever to come up and ice fish with you, what is their reaction to what they're doing? What, what is that like for them? I think some of them are like, holy shit. <laughs> like, like we're really doing this? Or they have the, the short plane ride over or whatever it is. They're just like, I mean, it's a lot to take in. I can remember even, as, you know, as a young guy seeing this stuff or as a young kid. And, you know, it's, there's, it's, when you drive out on a lake that you know waves are over your head you know mm -hmm. a week before or whatever there's a little bit of eh, what's going on a little uneasiness you know we're not driving trucks out like a lot of you guys are used to right. and so it's a whole different ball of wax but i would say that you know especially when you hire a guy like me the only thing here's your tip of the day for somebody that maybe hasn't done this is get good boots so so many of my guys they already have whether it's their carhartt work stuff that maybe is not the best but it works it works fine right mm -hmm. maybe soak up a little water but no big deal or our hunting gear like your hunting gear works fine if you don't mind a little fish stink on it but the boots are where it gets them. a lot of people don't realize when you're standing on a hunk of ice those boots that you think are warm it's a whole different ball of wax so even putting a yoga mat underneath you or boot warmers or whatever you need a pair of boots that are really designed for ice fishing so other than that probably the other stuff you have works just fine so let's talk a little bit about your setup and kind of what that looks like when you're taking people out. Um, how, how do you go about targeting these fish? Well, we're head out, we use an Argo, generally speaking. And so that's nice because it's, you know, enclosed, it floats, that's good peace of mind. You know, we can take a little bit of extra gear with us. Um, I get everybody there so nobody has to ride in a machine that maybe isn't comfortable. You know, some places I've seen where they put a guy in a snowmobile that's never drove a snowmobile, let alone on those conditions. So you're riding with me, it's hands-on. We've got all the safety equipment and we've got the, the GPS and that. And we're basically going out and it's, it's kind of like being in a boat. Like when I'm in the Argo, mm -hmm. I'm watching my GPS, you know, we're fishing, you know, checking on spots that you know we fished the day before with icons and following our waypoints and, and and the contour lines and that but the big thing would be um, I run Lake Master and my hummingbird and I literally take a unit off of my boat it's mounted on the Argo and you'd be surprised at how many times those contours and those little things like 
it's crazy. That's my fish finder, honestly, because you can only drill physically so many holes and move around when you're on a body of water that's bigger than most states. Mm -hmm. Like you just, you, you can't you can't drill and find them, like ice trolling or whatever you call it. You can't do it. So you're looking for those high percentage areas. And I've used that philosophy going to a lot of other lakes. Like I don't unfortunately get to travel as much as I'd like, but you know, like Cascade a few years ago, we went out there and I used a lot of those same principles. And some of those places like we're dropping down catching two inch or two pound perch rather like immediately right. on these things that I did my homework with, with uh, the lake master. So I would tell most guys, if you're gonna do this on your own, take that unit off of your boat. I don't know why people don't do this. Literally for under a hundred bucks, you can take a power cord, you know, rig it up. You could even rig and unrig it, which I wouldn't recommend, you know, but you could for under a hundred bucks, take that unit, move it over there, have a nice GPS for safety, but then also put that chartography in there. Even if you got a different brand, but the Lake Master, especially the new Lake Master uh, HD is insane where you can actually color and highlight and see those little, those contours and those composition changes, you know, from hard to soft bottoms. And those are the high percentage areas. And then the best part is once you get on one of those, now all of a sudden it's like, now I know where I can do this again. Mm -hmm. You know, as the wind changes or maybe it's people. Like I would say the other biggest thing where I'm at is when the bike gets out, this little thing called social media that we utilize, but we don't like at times is was when the word is out that the bite is hot. On my neck of the woods, it's kind of like Lake of the Woods, you have a million people and that shuts a bite down. So I will leave a bite absolutely at the drop of a hat even i don't care how hot it is or was because i know it's not going to be and so then i'm on to the next thing because those fish are not going to tolerate that like big walleyes and even walleyes in general they hate traffic they are anti-social so that's the big thing is don't be afraid to get away from the pack because if you don't you're probably going to have a rough day yeah so a lot of people will hire a guide let's say they're going to go to lake erie for a week they're going to hire you they want to hire you the first day or two so they can kind of figure something out figure out a bike for the rest of the week that happens all the time I'm sure it happens to you it happens to guides up here all the time as well um, but really what i like to do when i hire a guide is try to learn what they're doing and how they're finding fish and take that information to my home lake and, and that's what i use when i hire a guide it's like i want to sure try to get some information from them that I can use at home. Because I'm only gonna fish wherever I'm at for maybe three or four days, but I wanna take those lessons and, and convert them to the lake that I fish all the time. Um, what are some things that, that you do where you fish that you think that tra would translate to a lot of other places to help people find walleyes under the ice? About three words in, I got something I knew was gonna blow your mind. Okay. Erie has a lot of fish. Yeah. Erie has some better fish. It's a target-rich environment. I like that. That sound, that's, <laughs> like, that's aggressive and I like it. Yep. But here's what I'm going to tell you. I've had guides from Lake of the Woods. I've had guys that are really good fishermen. They come fish with me and they get their ass kicked. People that have never ice fished, like my guy from Texas, mm -hmm. just killed it. Mm -hmm. And the thing I would tell you is, is it's like hunting or, or other species of fishing. You can't treat, like, like big perch, are probably an exception a little bit. Like big perch seem to act the same in Devil's Lake as they do in Gogebic or you know out west or something. Walleyes act differently a lot from body to water to body to water. What you have to do to catch them on Erie, and if you're a really good Minnesota guy, you're probably gonna struggle because your brain is telling you when I see those marks come in the live sonar or the, or the flash or whatever it is, or both, you go, okay, this is what I do and this is how I catch them because I've done this a thousand times. You're gonna struggle. Like ours is a whole different deal. I can tell you truthfully, and this like, I hear fishing guys all the time and they say truthfully and that's when you know they're lying to you. But, 
I can only think of just a couple fish and they were in an absolute blitz where there was like thousands below us type of thing. Literally a giant eerie, what's known for school came through. Mm -hmm. I've only caught a few fish where I wasn't actively jigging. I actually bet a guy a hundred bucks and I gave him five days to do it. Think about that. Mm -hmm. To catch a fish on a tip up on Lake Erie. He never got one bite. Yeah. Live minnows swimming around there. Put whatever you want on there. I've only caught, I can only think of like two or three that were like, that you could even say that weren't moved, right? That they're like sitting on a bucket or it's like one you're holding as you're doing your other rod. So the way we have to work them, I and it changes. It's like a good baseball pitcher. So it's not like, hey, go do this, Chris. You've got this rotation and it, you know, you kind of go through if this doesn't work or you mix it up and it changes from morning to day or Monday to Tuesday. But we generally have to work our lures not more aggressively necessarily. Like I see guys over, you know, doing craziness. It's not just that, but it's, it's more consistently working, right? And I think some of that's drawing them in, but some of it's also is keeping the attention because we have good bait supply. We got a lot of fish and it's like creating that competition, but our water is super clean. So it's a little different than you guys. We have, I think, again, I'm not, I don't like to say things because you don't ever know in fishing for sure, but compared to you guys or a lot of you know people maybe listen to this, we generally have a lot less snow and we generally have a lot less ice. So we're generally having a lot more light penetration. Okay. And those fish get spooky. Right. You know, they just do. And so we're, we're having to do things a lot different and dead sticking is not, this doesn't work with us. Now you go up to Lake Huron, go Saginaw Bay, forget I said that. It's a whole different ball of wax. And that's what I mean where a lot of the principles that you take, you think you know about walleyes and then you go, I know about walleyes in Minnesota or South Dakota or even this body of water within the South Dakota or North Dakota and they really fish different. And I think that that's when you say when you hire a guide or you watch somebody that's successful, it'll really change things. And a good story is probably, I was like this high. The guy when I worked for Old Man Fofrich there, the, the legend of Lake Erie, and they were doing an in-fisherman shoot and Dave Gens was along or one of those deals. and. He's over there and he's watching this guy and he's like, this guy in the Carhartts that's doing everything wrong, doesn't have the stuff, doesn't have the shack, he's sitting on the bucket and he is killing him. Mm -hmm. And they walk over and he just introduces himself. I got to meet this guy who's just killing me. And he had a number nine jig and Rapala with a minnow on every single hook. You know, back to you guys, you pinch the head off. We right. don't even use a whole minnow. Right. This yeah. guy's got nine of them on there on a bait that's, you know, looks like a, like a spearing decoy. Right. And, and again, not that that always works, but the, the point is, is like, like, that's why Gens is so good, right? That's why he's the godfather ice fishing by, by many people's standards, is because you gotta realize when you go someplace else, these fish do act differently. And, and that's the thing that I would tell you, no matter where you're fishing, even if you're not gonna come fish Lake Erie, just keep that open mind as if you're a Red Lake guy or Lake of the Woods or Devil's Lake, and as you go these different bodies of water and things change, because even our Erie bite, it's changed. It just has, you know, so. Well, it's interesting, one of the things you said is that you don't have a lot of snow on the ice, you don't have a lot of ice, fish are spooky. What do you do then in that situation? How do you guys kind of counteract that? Because that is something that people in Minnesota, especially early in the season, come upon all the time where you, you don't have a lot of ice, you've got clear ice, and you're dealing with spooky fish. Kind of what are some of the things that you guys do to kind of defeat that? I don't know that there's a good answer, to be perfectly honest, but I, I can tell you, like, I run an AquaView camera, and you put that AquaView down there, and if I even get that right below me, I've watched a spook from it, you know? So I still utilize an AquaView at times, but I keep that camera generally like 10, 12 feet away from me, just a little bit. You know, it's just like that buffer zone. And just like if I was to be a foot closer to you right now, it's kind of like, all right, I don't think you're gonna punch me, but okay, that's personal space. Um, so little things like that, and I don't know that I have a handle on, that's, you know, we're always kind of just evolving these little things, but I've watched guys or, you know, customers, while I have the camera there, drop a thermos, like something about dropping a thermos. I see it. It makes happen. a sound. Uh, <laughs> fish don't like it, just so you know. And I've watched them go. Whoop. So um, 
the other thing I would tell you, like I run Mega Live from Sonar, and I have learned, I shouldn't say I've learned, I have confirmed, you know, things that I learned the hard way, where I lost a hundred fish or didn't get a thousand fish to commit through the years and learned when that happens I need to do this and a lot of times it's how those fish like they're actually they're coming around us if anybody's watching the video on this and they're you think they're going up and down but that relationship on a traditional 2d flasher that fish is actually not going down and away from me he's circling back for the kill and we drop down on him and immediately like they don't like that so it's not even necessarily like okay we need to be at low light it's just little things that they just don't seem to like, like that's their red flag. And there's just a, I say a dozen of things, but there's probably more than that, little tricks that I've learned that um, they don't work every day, but it's one of those like, okay, today this is what we gotta do. Sometimes even, this might sound crazy, but sometimes stingers, I cannot catch them when I got a stinger hook on. Mind blown. But then a day later, you know, that's why we were rotating things through, and that's why it's nice when you have a couple guide clients, especially guys that can catch some fish pretty good, is you start people with different things. Or I'll, I'll usually do the opposite and I'll start fishing if I'm seeing fish, but these guys aren't, you know, getting them to commit. Because another day, if I don't have a stinger on, every fish is hooked on the stinger that we get. And you're like, but then the very next day, they will not bite a fish with a stinger. And again, is there some other thing at play of why that's causing that? I very well could be. I, I don't know that, but I just know I need to, that's, that's one of those things that's in my, my arsenal of check that if this isn't working, check this if it's not working. And I, I don't think there's a, as much as we'd like to tell everybody, I don't think that there's a golden goose, you know, answer for that. It's just a lot of little things that really make a bigger difference than you think. Well, I like the other thing you brought up there, you talked about going out with your clients and you know, you're kind of setting up people with different things. So let's start with that. You know, you've got, that happens a lot. A lot of people in, in Minnesota, we're gonna go out ice fishing and I've got me and three buddies. What would you recommend, you know? Because a lot of guys say, well, they, they bit on this yesterday and everybody's gonna walk out there and tie the same thing on their line because they heard that that's what they're biting on. How do you set up? You're gonna go out with three or four people. You know, I think it really depends on the guy too, because well, I'll notice I've got certain guys and I'll be like, hey Bob, you're using this today because you're watching what someone is going to do. You can tell them to your blue in the face, you're, they're watching their buddy just smoke them right next to them, but their mind or this whatever is they're going to do this. Or So I, I kind of try to cater the lure things because certain people can fish a certain style of lure. You know what I mean? So, But two lures, because everybody wants to know what lure, right? right. Um, the two lures that I would say that we consistently, like you better have, not t even close by, better have probably tied on or ready, would be a Silver Streak Rattle Streak, which is a, um, it's a lure that I helped design and I went through a ton of R&D, like three or four years worth, but finally, finally got it kind of perfected. And what's available in bigger sizes. So a lot of stuff that you guys see, you know, it's, it's, it's maybe not available in the sizes that we need because there's oftentimes with our current, we need half to three quarter ounces minimum to just get down and see it on our, on our screen. So that thing's available up to three quarter ounce. So that's a huge one for me. It's got the rattle in it. You can fish it. What I really like is I like stuff that is is versatile from the standpoint of it can catch them when it's aggressive, it can draw fish in, but yet I can also finesse it. That's what I need because even within a five minute period, those fish may go from active to neutral or one fish is super aggressive. I'm sure you've had that and you drop right down or your buddy's right next to you and the next fish that's there is like, he's gotta be worked like a son of a gun, you know? And so that rattle streak by Silver Streak is, is just absolutely my super mega, mega confidence lure. And then the other would be a jigging wrap because both of those, I can work a jigging wrap really aggressively when there's nothing on the screen and I can draw those fish to me. 
you gotta remember when we're when we have no real estate that we're covering per se mm -hmm. even 20 feet is huge to get that fish to come within range but then i also can you know work and, and finesse a jigging wrap i feel pretty comfortable with that um, to basically make that a closer you know and i think that probably the biggest tip i could give somebody on how i got pretty good at doing what i do is getting my ass kicked back in the day yep. and learning that what I was doing wasn't right. Like you're out there and you're out, the fish aren't biting, but you got your buddy right over there and he's stroking them because you can. there's always something you can do. Maybe it's still gonna be a tough day, but there's something you can do a little different. And for me, I literally learned with an aqua view, putting that camera down and watching when I do this, this is what happens. And then learning how important the rod is. You know, I'm using longer rods. I'm using a G Loomis rod. They're 39 to you know 40 some inches and how different of rod I mean, I, I'm not saying you gotta buy this brand or this or that, but how would that action will actually change how a jigging wrap swims, how that rattle streak you know, is, is moving the rattles or not. It's really, really important. And those things are gonna vary, but knowing like a, like a baseball pitcher, like a good pitcher, he knows where he can place that under the circumstances. And it's the same thing with lures, where when you put them down there in a the camera and you go, okay, when I do this, it does that. And even things like, you know, if you're a braid guy, I'm not telling you to use braid or mono or not, but when you use braid on a jigging wrap versus mono, it totally changes that lure. Do you know that? I didn't know that. When you use braid, you can, you guys, I'm sure somebody's gonna fact check me, but I am not wrong on this. Right. When you work it aggressively, the amount of time that it takes to come back to center or zero on braid versus mono, it's several seconds. Which in the, in the, you know, the spoken thing of that, that's, that's a lot, right? And so when you think about, you need to finesse them, that bait is gonna work totally different on that. Right. You're literally just changing the line. So some days they like one, sometimes they like the other, but being cognizant of all these little things that you maybe think, ah, that doesn't matter. All my buddies got that big snap on it, small snap, it doesn't matter. They matter. Like everything is magnified with ice fishing. Like all of your things just get picked apart. Mm -hmm. They just have more time to look at it. You're throwing crankbaits at two and a half miles an hour. They probably don't have time to figure out some of that stuff, right? Like it, it's just a different deal. So when you got to slow down, they pick us apart. What I'm hearing from you is that you should buy a camera. Just Absolutely. To, just to, maybe not even in a situation where you're going to use it to try to catch fish immediately, but something that you just you can see what's going on below decks and kind of see how things react and be able to read that body language of the fish. I look at, at an underwater camera as like a specialty tool in your toolbox. Like I've got a special screwdriver for my lower end. I don't know if you, you know, in my lower unit yeah. to take the drain deal out. I don't use it very much, a couple times a year when I'm changing, that's it. But if I don't have that, I've just taken a $35,000 motor and I'm going to have water in it and we have a big problem. And so I don't want to strip that screw. So the two minutes I use that a year, I really, really need it. It's, to me, the camera is the same thing. I don't actively fish with the camera, generally speaking, but I'm learning to, to you know, I'm learning with it. And then like when I was on that Cascade trip, if they see the videos that we did with that, we dropped down, we saw these fish and we realized like, hey, these fish are way too small or they were pike minnows, uh, which was an invasive there. And you can spend your whole day fishing these pike minnows, which will just chase you all over the place, but, and they look like nice perch, right. but you're not gonna get her done. So again, those five seconds of confirming that, like, boom, gotta go. Drop that down and check this. Or, or seeing bottom content, you know, when you get on some of those things like shell beds. Here's an inside tip for your big perch. They like shell beds. You know, dropping that down to see. Like, you can't see. I don't care if, what kind of live sonar you got, what brand, it doesn't matter, what type of 2D flasher. A camera is the only thing that's going to tell you and it's going to tell you in five seconds. So I'm not actively using that 10 hours a day. But those little times, it's just like that specialty screwdriver. It's a big, big result. So 
The other thing I'm hearing from you is that you know you've got a lot of different setups. So how many rods are you taking out of the water with you? Because it sounds like you know you've got a setup for this, you've got a setup for that, and you've got braid, and you've got mono. Yep. And what does that look like in your rod locker? I prefer mono day in and day out. Okay. Um, for many reasons. I just like the way it swims better. Um, I like the forgiveness, right? So generally what I do, I've got Shimano 1000 size reels and I've got extra spools and I got them in a little Ziploc bag and my, my rod deal mm -hmm. and I got that. So I don't have to have another one. I may have one rigged up if I know that, that the circumstances are kind of dictated towards that, but I really don't like to use the braid unless I have to because it's just, it's, you know, for those that don't know all the specs, Mono has 20 some percent stretch, Braid's got single digits, when you get up and you got a foot to go and they're shaking their head, bad things happen. But if, if you know, sometimes for feel and sometimes for also providing a different action, you know, I, I will use that. But I think that the, the rod thing is huge. So when you're using, I don't even know what a good example would be, but let's, let's say cars, everybody understands cars. If you're gonna tow a 10,000 pound trailer, whatever it is, you can't use a minivan. You can't. So, I mean, you can, but we, there's videos out there how, how, that, how that works out. And it's the same thing with rods. And, uh, again, I'm not here to sell you a bunch of rods, but I'm gonna tell you, it 100% makes a difference where you can't use the same rod for an eight ounce lure. Or a lot of times I'll actually use a, a flutter spoon, you know, when, there, when there's no current, when things are, are really, um, really subtle. That lure that I'm using a 16th ounce, basically flutter spoon or eight ounce flutter spoon, and now all of a sudden I'm using a three quarter ounce spoon, you put minnows on it, you're pushing an ounce if you put it on a postal scale. And a one ounce lure, like, so the rod bounce, you know, how that loads and how you present it or so you can stop it you need to have a different rod. You know, so for me, like with the Loomis, I'm using a 392 model specifically, which is a two power rod. It's a 39 incher. And then I use a 413, which is a three power. And there, you know, you see one number difference in there, but as you bend those or flex or look at any of my stuff where I've kind of shown videos on that, it's a totally different deal. We go from minivan to 18 wheeler. And, and that's what you have to do when you're going from that flutter spoon to, a, a, you know, basically a three quarter to one ounce lure. And it makes a huge difference on how that bait's presented. I promise you there's no sales pitch in that. It's a big, big deal. Awesome. Ross, is there anything else? I'm sure there's a million things that I could ask you, but I know uh, time, everybody's got to get back in their booth. Something else you wanted to talk about before we wrap up? I would say lures are important, but pay attention to the small details because the wrong lure will catch them if you're paying attention to the right details. There you go. So a lot, it's, it's the little things. Right, just like just like everything else in the world, it really is. For Ross Robertson, I'm Chris Larson. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the Fish House Nation podcast presented by Catch Cover. For more ice fishing content, visit our blog at catchcover.com.